This is Purple Radio On Demand. Afternoon, everyone. A uh, bit of interference there. How are we doing? Um, it's Wednesday. It's three o'clock. The sun is shining. Shades are on. We're back. Um, no Zach today, unfortunately. Um, exams take priority, understandably. But I have got the best replacement possible. <laughs> uh, a young Pierre Robin is that uh, back again? Back again. Back again. Um, there ain't no sense in feeling lonely. It's uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Britpop, um, which is a subject very uh, very dear to both of our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how to kick it off. I mean, so we've both we've been actually kind of by coincidence at um, two Gallagher gigs separately, mm. right? So Nebworth and Noel Gallagher in Cheshire. Yeah, that's right. And um, why would you say, Pierre, that you find yourself in those situations? I would say, like pretty much everything, uh, what goes around comes around. And I think uh, music's not an exception, so trends just kind of cycle. And uh, I think there's been a push by older bands to kind of ride on the previous generation's success in a way which is... Uh, I think maybe cannibalizing a little bit on the modern industry and kind of producing its own revival trend, um, which has a lot of power because it draws on quite an old tradition. So I think an interesting thing now is that if you go to one of those concerts, like I'm sure you'll have noticed, there's a few different generational groups, right? Yeah, definitely. You've got your kind of like hardcore dads yeah yeah yeah. he went to the old oasis gigs stone island check the label yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then you've also got which is pretty interesting and i think that's what's kind of like commercially at least bringing on a lot of this revival stuff and new interest in Britpop is kids like you know as young as 16 17 year old generation that are going to like the liam gigs the noel yeah, gigs yeah. maybe like even like the pulp reunion gigs yeah I'll be there. I mean, the... Yeah, uh, I, know, I know you will. The, um, it's interesting, right? Because you get the impression... So Nebworth, right? So this was last summer. And um, everyone kind of bought a ticket and goes there and is thinking that they know what they're getting is going to be a replica. Mm. And that's all it's going to be at best. Oh, yeah, that's, that that is what reviews. it's trying to be. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, I... And, you know, you can tell yourself as much as you want that it's an LG solo gig and it's different and he's got his new tunes. That's but not, everyone, not what people are really there for. E- yeah. Everyone's standing around waiting for Supersonic to come on, you know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah 100%. So, one, one question we were, we were discussing before we came on, is Britpop dead? The yeah. indication that we get a lot of young 16-year-old lads turning up in bucket hats to uh, some random field in Stevenage to try and recreate something that their dads might have been to in the 90s yeah. would be an indication that Britpop is very much dead because the only way that people can kind of get a sense of it is just or by feel recreating it the old exactly is by doing that it's not a new movement it's more just kind of like a zombie a zombie corpse coming back to life yeah, for yeah, a little yeah. bit and you would like say Liam with his fake hip yeah yeah and you would say that the um i mean i think the Noel gigs are 
different you know when you're at, when you're at an, when you're at a liam gig yeah because he's got much more of a, like a new project going on liam is very very much trying to and it basically markets himself on giving you the best the closest thing to what an oasis gig was yeah um and the fans are all up for that um actually we've been at three right you were at transmit were you for the liam yeah gig? i was at transmit yeah uh, primal scream is a sport i was at nebworth and then i saw liam in spain did you? Which was quite an experience. Did cause... he have a park on? <laughs> he absolutely Sweating did have a park on. Yeah, he didn't give it up. But he was the only one who um, made no attempt to speak a bit of Spanish at the start. Really? And directly went, uh, who the hell is fucking English? <laughs> <laughs> did he go for the, but I don't speak Spanish. He likes to incorporate that into Wonderwall quite a lot of times. If he, do, if he does do it. And maybe he didn't go for this one here. Yeah, I don't speak Scottish. <laughs> a transmit, I remember. But I mean, so... I would say that those gigs are, you come out of them and you feel like you've actually, you know, you've been slapped in the face. I mean, they are pretty intensive. If you, if you really want to commit to it, um, there is a hell of a lot going on. Um, whereas the Noel gigs are kind of more, yeah, a musical experience, yeah, yeah. shall we say. Like, it's also a lot more of a family vibe, if you want to work yes, demographics. Yeah. And, and you're more the observer at, yeah. the, at the Noel gig, whereas at the Liam gig, you're actually part of the whole thing. You feel in a way that you feel that, um, there's kind of a collective thing going on, yeah, yeah, yeah. including him being on stage, and he's kind of playing up to that and playing into it in a huge way. Yeah, I think that is a difference. And although I respect the like uh, the the new musical project that people like Noel are really trying to instill, I think you can feel when you're there, like almost despite what I think, like I'm just not as engaged personally. Like it's the only kind of gig where, for example, uh, there was a lot of seating space. Mm, the gig, mm, which I think it's pretty consistent for mm -hmm. his gigs, and um, I don't know. I think uh, if that kind of revival movement, even though it is kind of just trying to bring up past glories, like the I feel like the spirit of it in the start wasn't a more concert type, calm, yeah, definitely reflective not. experience where you kind of let the music wash over you and kind of experience it in that calm way. That that the start of it, if you see the footage of the '90s Nebworth was very much like a bunch of kids on drugs. Yeah. So But the but then you do have elements of the of the kind of letting the music wash over you when you have Noel on stage with um you know with a harmonica accompanying him and just doing the master plan and everyone's yeah, kinda of silent. Yeah. And they might they might be singing along and I understand that that's kind of a yin and yang situation yeah, yeah. from where you might have gotten from rock and roll star just playing before. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But there were still elements of that and I feel like Noel always you think wanted there's a balance that. that's lost a little bit. Well, that is that is that is I the ultimate like, thing, right? It's I mean, like a pretty. That's a, I guess that's quite a, like um, that's quite a normal view to have. Really, there's like a balance with them too. Just for that band, I guess, just for Oasis. Yeah. That together they kind of like draw out the different aspects of what that was. Where you have yeah. the real like kind of like just pure musical element of it, which is more like Noel's creation, and then you have kind of like the culture, the kind of like youth appeal, which Liam uh, very much kind of madness, plays into, which was all. Kind of that Liam side of yeah, things, yeah, and yeah. now they're kind of only able to like draw on. Well, now they kind of both they both try and own that both respective things. I mean, definitely at High Flying Birds gig, you will probably you'll find quite a lot of people who actually weren't into Oasis. Yeah, that's definitely you know? true. Yeah. But you will not find anyone at a Liam gig who's not into yeah, Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, there are quite a lot of people who have been picked up along the way uh, under the High Flying Birds because they're just like uh, because it, it's it's more accessible music, I think. Um, Whereas, and also the reputation of Oasis is sometimes, well, I think. Yeah, I, I would say so. Like, uh, I went to a gig in North London in Hampstead. Yeah. 
and the bus I was on going there was had like quite a few confused Spanish tourists really? trying to find the entrance to the park. For no G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chief. Yeah, yeah. And they were just purely like, you know, they just like the high flying bird stuff. Fair play. And uh, not at all really like connected to the Oasis stuff. So. But I feel like it really fits more into like indie rock. And yes, it's actually completely yeah, yeah, separated yeah. from Britpop. Well, and also because it's, it's, um, at least especially with the new stuff that's coming out you know it's it's it, it follows the way that rock music has gone it's not trying yeah. to get back to the 90s Britpop yeah. rock and roll thing that in any way possible whereas Liam is definitely trying to do that yeah, um, yeah. and both enjoy commercial success because what do you of think it. of Liam's solo output just as music not in terms of the live experience right so here's the thing right so when LG comes around with a new album you're always excited because you know a tour is going to be coming. Yeah. Right? And you're like, good chance to go and see him. Yeah. Um, right. Whenever I have put on an LG, you know, new album, I love it each time because the thing is that, you know, first, first listen, it gets you. Yeah. It gets you, right? Because each tune has got a nice chorus. They're pretty catchy. The lyrics are suspect at times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're like, yeah, good. You know, I, I actually think that... Um, Come on, you know. I thought that was his best album, to be honest. The third one, I thought that was really good. Really? Thought that I liked the experimental, you know. When, as you were, came out, right? That could have been 12 tracks of him reading the Manchester City lineup. And it would have, it would have been number one. Because people were like, right, Liam's got a new album out. Like, and the hype around it was pretty huge. And Wall of Glass was actually a big enough tune to kind of carry yeah, it forward. Yeah. But the one, the difference is that I will revisit uh, Noel's solo stuff pretty much every day. Yeah. To kind of go to Liam's solo output is either because I'm you know hyping myself up to a gig that I'm about to yeah. go to of his or I'm it's like kind of oh I haven't listened to Liam in a while and I feel a bit guilty and I'm yeah, like I'll put yeah. him on yeah. but I mean the solo stuff doesn't really hold up in comparison to Noel's in any way possible I you don't think, think so I don't think so I, you know I think the uh, Noel has carried on his songwriting ability and not stopped I don't yeah. think you can make a claim that his songwriting ability has got any worse I don't think that at all it's changed Liam has never been a songwriter. Yeah. yeah. Just listen to Little well, James, he, you know. He recruits a lot of help, doesn't he? For yeah. Writing songs. And I think that's why, come on, you know, for me, it feels like maybe it's a better produced album than his previous two. Mm -hmm. But for me, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like that much of uh, like a Liam Gallagher project as much. Because what, he had um, some like Foo Fighters input. He had a lot of different writers on there. Yeah. Uh, it feels kind of like an industry reflection of what that kind of rock should be like more, although some tunes definitely stand out. But um, I think even moving on from just Oasis, I think they're like these older bands coming back. There is a, there's obviously like a, there's a very limited impact that they can have directly um, on kind of what you consider um, that part of rock to be now. And I think it's, there's, not so much uh, reflection really of where music is at now in that if it just limits itself to nostalgia. Well, let's 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 go back to start Britpop. Yeah. Which is a quite hard place to kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. Now the first thing is obviously every single band associated with Britpop will tell you that they're not Britpop. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it became a label that everyone was kind of ashamed of. Yeah, you know, so like Jarvis Cocker of Pulp famously yeah. rejected it like yeah, quite yeah. staunchly. Um, I would probably say so. Britpop is basically the period of music from definitely, maybe, essentially until Be Here Now. You can make a very good case that Oasis kind of dictated the play. Um, 
you know, you so we got early Blur as well. <sighs> well, we'll get on to Blur, yeah. but I, you know, so I think Brit, I think I don't oh, Brit pop, right? So it's just that the popular music around the time was essentially rock and roll music. So you got you got you know Blur, Primal Scream, Pulp, Oasis, Suede, Supergrass. Um, Super yeah, they're kind of your big hitters, right? Mm. Um, but obviously, when it's we look also at a bit the reaction, isn't it? Because if you look at I don't know, already from like the 70s onwards, I think there was a feeling that it's, it's not so much that Britpop, for me, was the dominant form of pop music. It's more that they were reacting against what they thought would become the dominant form of pop music. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is that kind of like far more electric, club-based, well, so, dance music, like Prodigy-type stuff. Well, what was kind of like more the kind of like upcoming but then the, scene in Britain. The Prodigy do support... Oasis at Nebworth, famously, and, you know, almost steal the shows and, like, appeal to the crowd very similarly. Um, I think the Prodigy, in a way, are kind of... I, the Prodigy supporting Blur at Nebworth would have been a different story, I think, but supporting Oasis, you can kind of see just, like, the pumping element of the and the excitement oh, of yeah. it. Um, but oh, you are right, because... Right, I so think there is, like, a... There's maybe, like, a, a reaction from those more, like... I think, you, like, they didn't really call it indie at the time. That's kind of, like, a new industry term, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. more, like, looking back to the past... Uh, feeling of losing guitar-driven anthems. Yes. Uh, which had always been kind of like the mainstay of like, for example, like I think when Suede formed, um, like the the advert they put out for their guitarist was kind of like a Smiths flavored kind of uh, style, and they wanted to recreate a kind of like um, guitar-driven standards based on rock going back decades. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see, you could a lot. Obviously, all of these bands are influenced by people like the Smiths and stuff. You could. Um, there's probably a good point to be made that um, I'm just thinking of Manic Street Preachers and other yeah, another one yeah. we can I think, include. I think that but advert was like a Smiths X but the, Manic Street Preachers. Yeah, you could say kind of vibe. No Stone Roses, no Britpop in a way. Yeah, right, because they're right on the pinnacle. Absolutely. They're almost included in it. Yeah. Um, obviously, a huge influence of Oasis. Um, but, so, Britpop, basically, Oasis come out, punk right? Punk as well, you can say. Yeah, yeah, punk. But some of the, right, so Bring It On Down on the first Oasis album is a punk tune. Yeah. And that, they wanted that, Alan McGee or whatever, wanted that to be their first tune. Um, I would say that Britpop actually is Britpop defined when the battle of Britpop happens. Yeah. Because yeah. that's actually probably where the label gets born from, in a way, it's like, you know, Blair versus Oasis, blah blah blah. Battle of Britpop, yeah. yeah but yeah. you, when you, you know, what's interesting to give an object as well is it doesn't really like go outside of Britain that much, which I think is pretty unique because if you look at what they were emulating, uh, so obviously Oasis were just like consummate Beatles fanboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously Blur as well. Everyone doing guitar music. Yeah, in yeah. Nineties were Beatles fanboys. Yeah. Uh, if like the they didn't succeed at all in doing what the previous generation did, of kind of com of exporting completely to especially the US, right? I don't know cuz where Beatlemania in the US, the Stones coming to the US and basically yeah, being yeah. a kind of like British insert that defined American music. Yes, 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 like, yes, the, yes. Oasis never were huge in America. But I most think most of Britpop part never of the, did that. Part of the problem there is that um the society at the time allowed for the Stones to be rebellious in America and they can accept them for that. And also because they were the polar opposite of the Beatles. But when you think of um, Vietnam and you mm -hmm. think of Gimme Shelter and then you think of the Redlands bust, mm -hmm. 
all kind of there's a perfect fusion of yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the counterculture going on in America. Whereas yeah. 90s America, not necessarily so much. So yeah, you get 90s some, America, you've got like Nirvana, you've got yeah, a much I, more like grunge inspired. And Oasis, I Live Forever was written as a kind of response to Nirvana. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there you go, right? So if that's what they're liking, and then here comes the polar opposite, the antithesis mm -hmm, of it, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be rejected to the same extent when you... You could see it as like more like a kind of like jangly optimism yes like psychedelic optimism yeah especially yeah. with stone roses yes i guess yeah. opposed to like this kind of like very heavy kind of like death driven yeah like, even like you just have a look at any of uh, nirvana's albums it's like visceral yeah yeah dark, focused on death boys in pajamas you know mm. curtains closed you know all that sort of stuff but the um i think as well like the beatles before john lennon started saying they were bigger than jesus Mm. And the Stones as well, to some degree, had a had a degree of humility when they went to America. To some extent, I think when you know if you're uh, if you're trying to break America and you've got like Liam Gallagher coming through in a park and baggy trousers and like proclaiming that he is like you know almost a god, mm. Americans well, are very susceptible to his, that like, sort of stuff. Meth, uh, meth yeah, at, at the at the. Um, well, it's California the the gig, yeah, it's some, yeah. some sort of on the Sunset like Strip, a, right? A make or break concert. And they all just start snorting crystal meth. Yeah, yeah. that didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help. Yeah, I know, and they're all playing the wrong tunes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, well, let's, so the Battle of Britpop, let's, let's take that, because that's its peak, really. Um, I, I do hate it, because I, I think Blur have absolutely no footing to be compared with Oasis, and I think they live off really? the Battle of Britpop really? as their comparison. I think it's ludicrous. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. Well, I think Oasis would have had no well, means to be compared to Blur. Oasis were up and coming. Blur had been more established for a little bit longer. Have you listened to some of the first Blur albums, though? Yeah, not pretty not god in, awful. Not incredible, but they were at the time like a bigger name. <laughs> yeah, okay. More established. Really? Name. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's just a perception of music culture being dominated by London. I right. think that's what it was. Because you know, like, the, obviously the Battle of Britpop became a bit yeah, of a North versus like, South thing. I, know, I think there is an argument that the, the, the music you... itself was seen as like a, a more established, developed, kind of like a more established, developed, sophisticated. Okay, yeah, we'd say it was more sophisticated, Blur. definitely. But were and they bigger? Oasis, Oasis, I think Oasis were they bigger? won more from Battle of Britpop than Blur did in terms of like establishing themselves in a way. The actual date is 96, because... right? What was it? It's Roll With It and Country House, yeah, the two songs. Yeah, yeah. So the situation and is. I do win that one out on the day. Yeah, so the situation is that they've both got an album coming out and they've both got a single that they want to release. Yeah. And they both kind of, in, by some. They're trying to incite riots at you know, each other's gigs. Yeah. Satanic influence decide to release their two worst songs, arguably. Roll With It is a, you know. <laughs> It, it defines kind of it's mid, 90s it's speedy it's, culture, but it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's like just a, not. I'd say it's like it a gets B, me going. It's a B tier song. It gets me going. It's a but B tier song. If you were gonna, if you were gonna, a good concert song. A good concert song, yeah. But if you were looking to, you know, if someone said, "What is the country house peak of always song?" Country house, mate. Oh <laughs> my god. Roll with it might be bad, but lives in a house because in country. <laughs> Jesus, honestly. You know, um, but yeah, so they... It does the trick at Tesco Express. It, well, they, they, have the, they have the two singles coming out. And basically, you know, there's that economic theory, right? If you have two guys on a beach and they're both selling ice cream, in the end, it is economically better for both of them to be right next to each other. Or that mm. is just the natural Yay. progression. So by some sort of thing like that, they both end up releasing on the same day. Mm. And obviously, there comes a situation where no one is buying Country House and Roll With It. Sides are taken. Yeah, um, well, especially the media just loves it. 
And they're both kind of poking, they're both poking each other at this stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a bit of Albon, Gallagher beef there was and a stuff. Story of, there was a story of um, someone sleeping with someone's girl, I think Damon Albon, sleeping with, uh, sleeping with Liam Gallagher's ex at some really? point. Yeah. There's an interview where he's asked they about... They are friendly with each other, or at least I think the Gallagher brothers are kind of like, kind of mocking these like, London, they yeah, kind of yeah, portrayed yeah, yeah. them as like posher, they went to music school, the Gallagher's didn't kind of start that a little bit, but in actual fact they don't, they don't really hate <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, whereas at some point Liam actually hates yeah, 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 Damon yeah, yeah. Arnold, he actually hates Blur. But I think that's also like... And you I know, think that, Rick... was, that was over a girl at some point. Well regardless of personal issues as well, like as soon as Liam Gallagher's ego is huge, right? And mm. as soon as Damon Albarn starts getting compared to him, and people might say, oh, I like Damon a bit more than Liam. That is going to rattle him, just mm. regardless. Um, so, and then they've kind of, you know, they have a wee in, you know, there's infighting. And by some sort of, we might we might parallel it to the Brexit vote, right? A huge diplomatic mistake on behalf of the nation. Country House wins out. And uh, Top of the Pops, they, they play. And um, whatever his name is, Brian, whatever his name is, the guy who now runs a cheese factory or something, he comes in wearing an oasis wearing an oasis top as a sort of mm. aha to them and that's the sort of end of it but or i would say obviously oasis get the last laugh because then what's the story morning Shy glory life. comes out and could someone please tell me what that blur album was that country house was released on no one has a no one has a scooby right morning glory everyone knows that album every man and his dog knows that album yeah i think there's another top of the pops uh ceremony i think where oasis wiped the floor there's the one where they, they reverse and it and they get... At the ceremony, I think, of a Noel and Liam singer rendition of Heart Life oh, really, is Shite yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. But there's... Because there's, Top of the Pops, quite a lot of people don't know this. Well, I didn't know this initially. Um, it used to just be... Uh, they would be miming, right? They would be lip-syncing. Yeah. Um, so there's one... There's an Oasis performance where Liam is playing the guitar and Noel is pretending to sing for, on roll with it. And then there's, an, there's like one quite famous one of Nirvana. Where they basically just start trashing the set, whilst um, I, I don't know, I can't remember what tune it is, but they they just start trashing this, and obviously you know Kurt Cobain's meant to be singing whilst he's like taking mm. his guitar apart, and everyone's like, hang on a minute, here, what's going on? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so and then I don't know. Do you think that because in the in the fringes of all this, we've got some great music being made. We've got primal scream coming out with screamadelica which is one of the best best animal um kind of british rock and roll albums that there's ever been in a way um suede they can kind of be they can be a footnote to this conversation i think um pulp obviously pretty huge uh, suede had like a very solid what was it first two albums first three albums trash is their big tune right yeah trash yeah. is a big tune yeah um, but I, I think they've got a very solid first few albums but i think already suede was a bit more like um it was already considered a bit niche. They kind of cast themselves almost as already indie yeah. compared to Britpop, where they rejected it before it was even a, a label. Uh, yeah, yeah, before yeah. it was even considered a, a failure of a label after, you know, Oasis has kind of like car crash third album. Um, it's not a car crash. Well, it has been come to scene as one a little bit. It's just a... In, people see it as... It's just a sat-nav malfunction. Yeah. There's people, still some beauty in it. People come to see it now as... Oh, uh, wait, like maybe this thing's nah, a bit too far. I don't know. Like, so this is B here now, right? So post the Battle of Britpop, there, um, you would say that regardless of what happened, objectively, Oasis are now the biggest band in the UK. 
and be here now. Yeah, definitely by by that point. Yeah, yeah and uh, so interestingly, for Morning Glory, quite a lot of the music um, media, and you got to think the NME was actually bloody huge in the nineties, right? Mm, An absolutely yeah, huge yeah, publication. True. Yeah, and part of all this is that the the narrative that we're like inheriting is from is those sorts of publications. Defined by a few big yeah 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 publications and award shows as well. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, and there's like there's there's like not a lot of sources of of like authority. Whereas now, obviously, everyone would have their own opinion. But that now that's also completely lost. Who on earth, who on earth would actually even go online and read a music magazine now? Yeah, yeah. What you know? I uh, you just have clickbait articles from NME. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Online. Yeah, about uh, like an Oasis reunion or yeah, something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, so after Morning Morning Glory didn't I mean uh I'm going to say objectively again, one of the greatest albums ever made. Um and the music critics actually initially, right? So they get given a kind of um a copy of it kind of 3 days before. And for Morning Glory, they kind of some of them give it like a four star and then lo and behold it sells whatever it sells and they end up going oh god we've kind of been duped here because obviously in the public opinion this is absolutely brilliant and they kind of come round to it mm. so then when be here now comes out they get an early copy and to not kind of undermine themselves again they all give it five star yeah, reviews so you up, can go yeah. back to like the enemy and they're saying be here now oasis's best moment it's obviously not no gallagher was on far too much cocaine mm. and you know at that stage they're writing when it's almost it's it's like ronaldo at the return to man united He's not got anything to prove necessarily. He's already done it all. He's now just kind of playing just, for himself and his like, reputation. Like, it's, almost. A, it's a lap of honor. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's a lap of honor, the same old stuff. And yeah, be be here now is it's got it's got good elements. I think. It I think have, all I around think, the world, if it was two common, minutes. Well, yeah, the common the common closer. criticisms are like overblown songs. Do you know what I mean? It's good time, tune. It's a good um, tune. I think maybe yeah, it feels fading like out, indulging a little bit, maybe indulging. So that's '98, mm. and with basically no, Britpop as a you know as a timeline ends in the '90s. Mm. Um, do well, you I think, think... Honest, maybe a lot of that like really media-driven hype on like maybe these two big bands, Britpop as a genre that was like very like tightly defined, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing is maybe overshadowed a lot of I think what might have been a, a kind of valuable about the music. Of that time yeah i agree with you i agree um, with you and i think i don't know i think maybe like just concentrating so much on like a very small element of it which is just this like competitive two-band stuff probably hid more than it kind of showed. but it was more than that as well because it was like Britpop was tied to obviously cool britannia and stuff like yeah, that absolutely. so when noel goes to meet tony blair yeah and they get that photo up and um here you have the most politically powerful person in the country with the the most socially powerful person you make a very good case that that is the position that Noel held and that's you're like you know culturally we might say yeah, yeah, um and you know it was kind of all because the the 90s is a weird time when you look at if you look at like blair's um you know his first day in office and you've got people lining the streets, coming out with um, waving little Union Jacks. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, imagine that it's for strange, Rishi, Rishi Sunak. Strange optimism people, for you know, us. Yeah, yeah, people would be looking for Tommy Robinson in the crowd. It would just, we wouldn't actually think yeah. of it at all. Like, and, you know, the, um, like, obviously the Spice Girls kind of inherited that a lot. You know, they've got the, the Union Jack dress is very famous. The Union Jack guitar of Noel Gallagher. It was almost kind of yeah, like absolutely. a... You know, like a. It's a bit like there was a patriotism. Americana, all that Americana yeah. inspired music, which is, which you fair. I think in America that's like it, it lasts so much longer, right? Because you've got yeah. decades of the American flag meaning different things. Like you could do a whole hour 
podcast on the use of American flags yes, yeah. in like popular media, art, music, yeah. stuff like that, where patriotism is such a complicated thing in American music culture that it takes on lots of different kind of like guises. But I think in Britain's history, like musical history, that's probably much like the, the only period you can think of where flags, yeah. you know, Britain is cool. There's yes, something to be yeah. proud of. There's optimism. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then, I don't know, after that, I don't think there are, I don't think there's any kind of like hint of that kind of cultural revival. No, now. no, not at all. I think, no. I think that's actually a big reason why maybe the, the, the whole of the kind of uh, the Britpop bands didn't actually necessarily break America at all because... It was such a uniquely British yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so at the end of Supersonic, the Oasis documentary, which is brilliant, yeah. Bonehead, who is the um, guitarist, uh, guitarist for Oasis, he says that they should have just walked off the stage mm. at that point and never released anything else. They should never have gone past the millennial barrier. Mm. What do you think? Um, I think they, I think I agree that there's like a massive drop. You can almost feel the kind of self-aware feeling of that they've lost relevance in, yes. in, in between be here now and... Um, Standing on the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like go let it out and stuff. Like very, It's very different, stuff. isn't it? Like, it's almost going back to the 60s, isn't it? In a way. It was, but 60s, but also in this kind of like overproduced pop way as well. Yeah, yeah. Where it's 60s. 60s style but with the kind of like electric production yeah and kind of like very precise you know you've got auto-tune in a voice for the first time in a way so yes yeah you've got kind of like i can't remember the word for it but basically where they they um post-production basically uh correct notes so it's all exactly on note losing really? a bit of like the imperfection yeah because so they go to a different producer again can't remember the name but basically they change their whole process to make it a more streamlined pop album an indie rock album i think that's when it starts to be that which for the context of oasis is completely different if we think of definitely maybe that was recorded as a live album essentially yeah in a studio it's but so the parts were all yeah. kind of recorded live with them all playing together you know it's pretty harsh almost like some of the listening is like you yeah, can't yeah, really yeah. tell the guitars apart as yeah well, yeah like. yeah but i mean i love that in a way yeah, the exactly. unrefined kind of dirtiness of yeah, it you know yeah, yeah. um but with standing on the shoulder as well you can see how conscious they are of breaking america with the new york skyline as the as yeah, the album 100%, cover but i i think like i think mostly they're self-conscious about how they've they've lost the feeling a little bit yeah. and i think there's like an interview with noel where he kind of he's asked quite a simple question about uh what they're doing with this fourth album and he goes into kind of like so quite a depressed rant yeah because he's he's been struggling with addiction yeah, yeah trying yeah. to get clean yeah long periods of depression at this point and he kind of goes on a rant about how you know we were never trying to reinvent music we just wanted to make noise yeah move okay. some air and so he's kind of he's already lost the idea of we're doing something which is at the edge you know something which and is that almost has a culture. purpose to it yeah, yeah. So I think even though there's some good tunes, right? And I mean, I know you like Heathen Chemistry as well. Heathen Chemistry, yeah. I all, don't believe the there. truth, mate. Yeah. Important yeah. to being idle. Oh my. Yeah, there's some great tunes. But, the, but some, but, but then the, but it's lost the point of being at the edge. It's more like it's a like it's an interesting legacy, which still with some 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 flashes of genius come through. If I mean, it's like Stones post eighties. Like, you know, Ooh, they're still... They're good, still show, good show, they're still good. They're still releasing some decent they're music. They're still good artists. But they're not the same music, band. But they're not at the front of anything. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, and the, one thing I would say is when, actually, if you listen to the later stuff, most of the most of the songs, personally, I think, which come through are the kind of null-tinted ones, the, you know, the importance of being idle, little by little. I liked all uh, that sort of stuff. Gas Panic. 
Yeah, and, but at that stage, I would say that it's kind of it's no longer one coherent body. You've got like roll it over. You've got Noel's songs and you've got Liam's songs, yeah, and Liam's songs yeah, are very obviously Liam's songs. Yeah, you know, um, hung in a bad place and all that sort of stuff. You know, very clearly, you know, trying to tap into this rock and roll. Let's go. Yeah. Whereas it follows up by "She Is Love," and you're like, "What is actually going on here?" You know. Yeah, little by the little. The juxtaposition like, is almost like caricature and old song. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got if you got ChatGPT to write yeah, the most old song, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, but did okay. So, in my humble opinion, mm. I would say that rock and roll music, and actually great music just kind of died in the 90s that's it really? we're no, done i disagree with that i think that's pretty because i only listen i i genuinely you know when i'm putting stuff too, on I think it's, it's either dead people or dying people from I think you know, they, who don't go past that. i think i think i think i know quite a few people who think stuff like that but i just think at that point you just have to maybe i think music nowadays is a lot more dissolute right like you're not going to have the one biggest british brand band anymore how sad is that though? so much I don't know. I think you have to kind of take it as it is. But to and have a moment like Nebworth. In a way, now you have to like branch out more to find where the good stuff still is, if that makes sense. I think also what I wanted to like maybe, when you said you wanted to do uh, just talk about Britpop, I was thinking what made it so era-defining, right? What made it capture everyone like that? And I The think, mood of the 90s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you can find that in places still. You can find like a in maybe like smaller subcultures nowadays, right? Because you won't have a whole country latching on to this like one kind of music, few bands, all like playing along some similar like rules. But you'll have smaller subcultures which still create something which captures something. You could uh, say- I mean, if you talk about like rock revival and stuff like that, then New York punk scene- So uh, the Strokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Strokes, uh, yeah, 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 it's Interpol. And they're kind of drawing, they're drawing on like, I think, what's important is to be drawing from heritage, right? So they're drawing more like a Velvet Underground yeah, television, yeah. Patti Smith yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of background, but it's, it's pretty potent as well. Yeah. And they end up catching pretty well in the UK. So the Strokes, in a way, were a bit like Hendrix, right? Bigger in the UK before they were in the yeah, US. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they first got signed to a major record label in the UK, not the US. Yeah, okay. Um, and they inspired a lot uh, in the UK, including the Arctic Monkeys. So the Arctic Monkeys are probably the 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 footnotes of this whole discussion in a way, right? So they they're kind of the last. They're if you put the Arctic Monkeys in 1995, mm. I'm not saying it would you know catch the world alight, but I think it would fit in. It would definitely fit. You know, in. Yeah, um, yeah. whatever people say, I am that would 100. percent You know, yeah. late 90s maybe, and equally, you know. Um, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino is a very sort of new wave, almost yeah, pre-Britpop yeah, album. Um, but the, even they, right, the Arctic Monkeys, which are the biggest kind of, you would say, the biggest rock band that there has been in our lifetimes UK in the UK, least, in the yeah, UK, yeah. never in a million years would they, I don't think, would they be able to sell out Nebworth. Liam did it last summer, two yeah, nights in a row. I would say maybe you got 160,000 like, people to turn up for two there nights. Is a limit, there's a limit to... Um... There's a limit to kind of like mostly seeing who sells out what as cultural impact because surely that is though. Do you I not think, think um, how many people turn up. Um, I don't know because because um, <coughs> what's, we... what's the guy from Take That again? 
What Robbie Williams? Yeah, Robbie he Williams. Sold he sold out Nebworth for more. But not to the no, not five percent of the UK population applied though. That's no, no, he here. sold out for three nights instead of two. Did he? Yeah, just to just to. He just must because, have had a two for one. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he had. He probably had you know bots coming nah, booking mate. the tickets. But I I just mean by that is that what sells tickets in the moment won't necessarily make a legacy. Yeah, but I think in the context of music, like when we think of. If you think of kind of era-defining moments in music, they are always the big gatherings of people going to see a certain thing. Mm. So Woodstock, mm. um, certain Glastonbury's, um, Nebworth, for example, um, Spike Island of the Stone Roses. These sorts of moments where there is a cultural wave and it's almost like all the like-minded people who all kind of are wearing the same clothes because they're impacted by the music that they're hearing do this sort of road to Damascus mm. and go and see the band. Where do we see that today? No, I think, well, I think that is, that is very possible. It's just more splintered. It's more splintered. Um, like festivals are, you know, more popular than ever. Um, yeah, but that, that, I, I think that almost taps exactly into... What you mean? Because our festivals sort of are not... Our a, impatience. A one, our impatience, yeah. kind of like artist so like, thing. You know, go, you you know, like get a, pissed, see a band for 40 minutes, Go and get a hot dog and then see another one. You want to ah, have a menu, ah, you want ah, to have a full menu yeah, yeah, yeah. of artists. Which, which is mix. exactly like, you know, people on, you know, if you go on Spotify, you know, you play one tune, you do this, you mm. skip it, you blah, blah, mm. blah. How many people even nowadays will put on an album and listen to it in its entirety? Mm. You know, um, I think the, the popularity of festivals taps into that massively. I but there, isn't, there is a nostalgia, I think, for that, for that kind of music subculture. Uh, and I think it is, there's like genuine attempts to recreate that. Yeah. Um, Although it is going to be in a different way, like you know, TikTok aesthetics just change so quickly now. And although it's kind of it's kind of more like comedy, how quickly it changes. Yeah. Where like you know, one day everyone's wearing like blue jeans, yeah, black leather jacket, and then the next day it's going to be something else. One day someone's cosplaying as a punk, and then the next day it's kind of like seventies bohemian stuff. Do you think I? But I think there is there is like um there is still a hunger to have subcultures where people will do you think tap in yeah absolutely. it's harder to get though right so, so i a good hypothesis i can't remember who told me but i've heard it banded around is it right so if we go to 1970s london plus there would be people had their biggest year yeah like true. last year since but, like what like the 80s or something yeah yeah 90s. yeah but if we go to if we go to 70s london you would be able to see people walking around and they would be you would actually be able to distinctly say okay they like the clash Mm. A punk walks past you yeah, yeah. in Doc Martens, you know, uh, maybe double double denim, and they've got a mohawk, and you're like, right, that is a, a punk rocker. That is a fan of punk music. Be in a way, because the access to music was more limited, people fell into the categories. They just kind of had to decide um, which of the eight, you know, popular tunes at the moment they liked yeah, the most, yeah, and which yeah. band they liked the most. Now there is so much access, you know. There is so much access that people can splinter to such a degree where, okay, we might have similarities and we might have commonalities, but who's who's dressing in a certain way right now because of a band? Who's who's kind of, you know, living a way of life? Because who's living, you know, like a, a characteristically punk sort of thing yeah. or a a mod, I think for it example. Happens, but it happens. I think what you're saying more like it's more like a spur of the moment thing. Like someone will 
decide they're like uh, they're taken in what? by a certain like, aesthetic for a little bit I am now an anarchist because of, yeah. Yeah, because of a few TikToks and then they'll switch over when they see some different ones yeah but for I mean, a little bit yeah 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 I agree, which yeah. I I guess doesn't have the same kind of it's not appeal. a lifestyle like, do you not, know what I mean yeah because you're not giving yourself to something but I think that is just the nature of the media you consume right because everything is so is so I want to say like quick yeah and is so dissolute yes and yeah, there's just yeah. so much out there that the individual has access to so much culture of different kinds that they will naturally just pick and choose more what they want. Yeah. But I think that doesn't mean that the the kind of like the the musical stuff in the background has any less value. Is is like the source that is being stirred, you know, the yeah, brew, yeah, yeah, okay. the brew that is yeah, being pun made the pun. is any less potent. I think there's still potent brew that gets made spontaneously, you can't predict it. It just happens, it captures a moment. I think like early 2000s New York is one of them. Um, I would say if you're a fan of Britpop, then kind of like the Australian kind of like punk rock scene okay. is a scene where people will like like you say dress a certain way, yeah, follow like a certain like code of values. You know, you yeah, yeah, okay. A pretty drug filled lifestyle. You hang out at the beach. Yeah, you know, co cold ones. Yeah, surfing, yeah, yeah. and it's all characterized by the same kind of music. Mm. I think it does happen still. Um, I would say I've, I'm, I basically just agree with you, except more optimistic. Uh, a lot like Keith Richards in an interview, he pretty much doesn't believe in anything except for the fact that you know, music will continue to bring things together. You know, he thinks it's the last thing we're going to have. Good source, better mm. source than any in a way. Um, so I think, but it is more splintered. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah. And also, I think it, it has that sense where sometimes a scene like that, like maybe just at random, the kind of like. Australian like punk rock scene will so quickly blow up now, right? So a little group like the chat will get a deal from Warner Brothers yeah. within one good EP. Yeah. And then they will blow up thanks to Spotify TikTok. But is that a, is that a shame? That is that be, a shame? Well I think it's but a if shame. you're a band, right, and you put in hours of work yeah. and you make a 12, 12 track LP. Yeah. And some beanbag makes a 15-second video on TikTok with yeah. your song on it, and it blows up. Yeah. Well, I would way, be a bit miffed. It's you know what I mean? Because it's like, they'll make a lot obviously, of money. it's good they'll for them. But then, that, what but... are they? Are they a gimmick? Or are, are they just, you know, are they are they simply a soundtrack to yeah. your own kind of frivolous video? I mean, what's going on? I think the, you know? the only the only bad thing about it would be that people who are worried about authenticity and things belonging to a certain place to certain people okay will say like you don't you're not really participating in what we're talking about you're just kind of you're putting it on like some you know like some t-shirt you found yeah, yeah somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you're just putting it on for a little bit while it suits you so yeah. you're not really participating which is fair enough. i think it's the same as actually like say um football right now is so different from before where you can be from like you know uh, Massachusetts and be like a die-hard Leeds fan or something. Yeah, that's nonsense. So yeah, it? exactly. Well, you'd want to say that's nonsense. Maybe it's a similar thing where you're like, yeah. that element of culture doesn't belong to you. Like, you would never put like a lifelong, you know, season ticket holding, you know, uh, Yorkshireman on the same level as like some American who's, no, no, no. who's just bought the shirt. Equally, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, you know, how, you know, that's a whole different. That's a whole different kettle of fish. But I mean, how many people, you know, living in sunny Essex, feel very affiliated to Old Trafford and stuff like that? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, my dad's uncle once had a dog called, you know, called Cantona. <laughs> like, do me a favor. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, no, but that, that does tap into it, kind of the... Uh, it's just appropriate. It's just access, and access of intimacy like you can you can you can you can be in massachusetts and actually feel connected to leeds united because you can watch them every week yeah, yeah uh yeah, in the yeah. same way you can you know be you know uh living a desolate life in a log cabin in inverness and you can get into that australian band as long as you have a phone or a computer yeah. or anything you know what i mean but i think also you if, if you're keeping that optimism right uh if i think if if you keep that optimism then you can say well there is something bringing them together like maybe you know uh, the thought of the American football fan disgusts all of us as it should maybe, but um, <laughs> but maybe the thought of that guy in Scotland linking up, maybe starting to get into Australian punk rock, maybe okay, yeah. he's found a like a commonality which is important to music, right? It's not maybe it's not something we should gatekeep so much. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. It's important to music. Yeah, yeah, much like um, you know, like the songs that we've been talking about for ages in Britpop, they're not really, sometimes they're about specific elements of culture and sometimes they're just about, you know, having a tough time, having sometimes, a fun time. Yeah, but sometimes they're about absolutely nothing They're about as absolutely well. nothing at all. What exactly. is a champagne supernova? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Who knows? Well, there's theories. Yeah, okay. Theories. Um, are you, I've got, I've booked myself into a Noel this summer. Mm, I have not. Have you not? I've got Crystal I'm Palace Bowl. The new, the new new solo stuff really excited me. So I went. To I had a ticket master by as well. I wasn't. I wasn't like. I wasn't overwhelmed. Mate, I it. don't don't use Cheshire as as the uh, as the comparison. Newcastle, Newcastle was a was a was a, yeah. was a kind of eight out of ten, eight point five out of ten gig. Yeah, Very good. Fair. I just need to pick the Cheshire was a bit too kind of prawn sandwich. Although one we haven't mentioned <laughs> is like the Verve. Yeah, mate, I'm going to go see Richard Ashcroft. He is, he's, Ashcroft is, is not one to one. Like, he's yeah. good. No, mate. I'm looking forward to that a lot. See him in Barrowlands and uh, Royal Albion. Oh, Hall. Yeah, I've always wanted to go Barrowlands. It's good, though. When I saw the Strokes in Glasgow, so that was just in the park, you know, and he was just on oh, stage, yeah, okay. Julian Casablanca, just complaining that he nuts. wasn't in Barrowlands. <laughs> well, obviously, he yeah, was Yeah, I remember telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, he was just like... Uh, Where's the badass? He was just like... <laughs> <laughs> he was complaining that he was being ripped apart by just like pretty much 16-year-old Scottish kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just burning. He was calling them the Glasgow Children's Choir. <laughs> just saying he wanted to be in the Barrowlands. One one actually hidden gem. I went to see... Uh, I went to see Easy Life. I'm actually not the biggest fan of. But I went to see them in King Tut's Wawa Hut. Um, on their first EP, yeah. and uh, that was really good. And that's where I think Oasis got signed, and you can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's literally like from me to you, the 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 kind of stage is almost cut out into a kind of bay window of what used to be a house. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, mm. But let's, uh, for the last two minutes, reunion, yes or no? Obviously, say, the Gallagher brothers were talking follow... here, because Blur have done one, right? Blur yeah. are coming back, Pulp are coming back, Yeah. Will... The, uh... I would say yes with qualification, um, which is actually because of something Bonehead said really recently. Okay. Where um, also I quite like Matt Healy of the 1975 did quite a poking the bear. He did quite a passionate address. Where he said just get over it. You yeah, know, but I don't. I, you know. But although the making I, I... millions argument is something which I could sympathise with, uh, what Bonehead said was, and that I can sympathise with a lot more, was uh, how much it would mean for younger fans. Who have tapped into it since yes just to hear them not even expecting new great music but right? just to that not great music that taps into what people are about now but just to have lived people, at a time when oasis yeah, are releasing exactly, music yeah. yeah nostalgic young fans i don't want it how much it would mean you don't want it at all I don't not want even it. just for one gig don't want it not at all don't want it because a right 
I'm, I, I'm, as this conversation has probably, you know, showed, I'm really, I'm pretty damn into them, right? Yeah. First of all, wouldn't be able to get a ticket. Bit of a propaganda. So that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be able to get a ticket, inevitably, right? It would yeah. be the most in demand gig yeah, since yeah, Nebworth of 96. It would be insanity, right? I, you know, as, as much as I might try and give a pinky toe to go and see them, you know, it would be a struggle in of itself. Secondly, it would be, I think it would be quite forced. Mm-hmm. Listen, like, if you listen to Blue Moon Rising and then you listen to Shockwave, you're like, how on earth would that work? Mm-hmm. I don't see how it would work at all. I don't see, you would both, I think there would be an awareness. I know Liam's obviously always keen for it, but you would be, I would be there if, if I was lucky enough to get that, you know, golden ticket. You'd be there looking at Noel, kind of going, mm, "Is this really what he wants?" And yeah. I don't think he, that is what he wants at all. No, that's the thing. Is that right now it would be pretty much inconceivable because he said no to it for like you know and the they, last decade. They do, so, they so. do just both big it up when they've got a new tune coming out or a new mm, album yeah, coming out. 100%. They try and get it in the media. 100%. You know the whole like, "Oh, give me a phone call." Yeah. It's like, oh, "When's your EP out, Noel?" You can, <laughs> you can never say never. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, they yeah. always bring up. Yeah, <laughs> which means nothing at all. Yeah, and you know, I think. Also, right, talk about finances. Do you not think it's financially better for them to actually keep doing the solo stuff? Because I was listening to an old interview and he was saying that, like, today, yeah. Morning Glory sells as much as, royalties, as yeah, it did yeah, it, when it, in its first year when it was released. Royalties, but artists make most of their money nowadays from tours. From, like, tours yeah. And I think the tour with that would make as much money as they conceivably want to make. It would make millions, wouldn't it? Yeah, as much as they want to, really. Do you think they could do... Do you think if they, if they kind of came back today and said, August, one week, Nebworth yeah. for six nights, do you think they'd sell out? Yeah, um, yeah, probably. I think they would. Yeah, I think quite a lot of people would probably try and buy all seven nights. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, they'd make as much money as they wanted to. Although I think... Um, I think there's an argument for them doing it for the younger fans if they both had like a realisation of, you know... There, there's still a bit of life left in this and kind of like give it a closure but as you say otherwise if their hearts are not in it there's not much point no mm. although some reunions have worked better like obviously pulp yeah because pulp they did the they did one in sheffield mm. and obviously they're coming back now um then there sometimes comes a point the, the, the kind of beauty of oasis in a way is that they have actually been such a in a bit like the stones right so as long as Jagger and Richards are on, you know, I don't want to disrespect Ronnie Wood, Charlie Watts, obviously. Mm. Um, but as long as Jagger and Richards are there, you That's are the getting stones. the stones. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the same with the Gallagher brothers, because there's been so much rotation in the band. Yeah, obviously, see. the stones, they had Brian Jones, Bill Wyman have kind of passed through the doors. Mm-hmm. And equally with Oasis, obviously, Tony McCarroll has been there. You've got Gwigsy, blah, 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 Alan White, blah, blah, blah. I think even Ringo Starr's son was had a gig on the drums for them at some point, Zach Starkey. But you know, you can get. I think can Ringo get... Starr's grandson also got arrested with uh, it... with uh, Liam Gallagher's son there Tesco for assaulting a. Apples cashier. do not fall far from the tree, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, pop the Brit, Brit the pop. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> uh, we'll have Oasis playing. Have you enjoyed that discussion, Pierre? Yeah, I have. I have enjoyed it. I think I'm definitely more optimistic. And I would encourage people more to look for things which look at life the same way instead of being the same music, for it to be the legacy. New bands that kind of inspire the same feelings. Yeah. Because what's gone is gone. Interesting. Yeah. But okay. there will be there will, the same the same soup is brewing everywhere. And you just got to find it. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> Thank you.
podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.